there was some blueness in it. It almost <laughs> felt like it was like yellow. Like I, I don't know, but oh, it, oh yellow oh. It was Oyelowo. <laughs> they filmed it through his name, okay? Um, I'm so happy I got to make that joke because it's so hard for me to say his name. Um, um, and that was amazing. <laughs> yes, there we go. We got a two-point uh, you know, two assist, whatever. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 343 with our review of Selma. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this weekend, we have a couple different films for you. We're going to be talking in this episode about uh, Selma, and then also we will have a review of American Sniper. So how are you guys doing this morning? <clears throat> Sorry, I was taking a drink, but I'm doing well. How I'm, about I'm, you? I'm doing okay. I'm a little afraid of the conversation that's about to happen. <laughs> the the argument that's going to ensue. I, I, I'm a little... Uh, I'm, I'm still confused at, at like how this argument's going to go, because, I mean, Carson discussed the argument that he had outside of the episode, but I'm still confused at w- what side we're... Because I only have the context for an email that Sarah sent in to... Uh, slash film, so I'm I'm not sure exactly where this argument's gonna go on the episode. So I think we'll find out. You know what's funny is that that wasn't an email sent in; it was just a text that she sent to him. And Dave Chen was just like, "I'm just gonna read it." <laughs> you know, I feel like it's I worth feel it. like you just threw Sarah under the bus, Dave. Just, no, not a, not at all. I'm presenting her viewpoint so. unvarnished. Um. <laughs> she she fit all that in a text. Uh, well, I, I, I well, no, actually, what he read was truncated, so <laughs> how many, how many there, was, there was more. So, so is he is he on like a, a, a Microsoft Windows phone or does he have like a real phone? I mean, I, sorry, excuse me, an iPhone. I have no idea. I don't know. All right, I was just curious because I wonder how many texts. <laughs> he secretly has an iPhone. <laughs> iPhone just, six. I was just curious how many texts it took to get that message out because yeah, it definitely seemed the length of an email. I I don't know. I guess I'll have to ask her. They're like secret lovers, so I don't know. I I, I prefer to think that um, since she like basically was repeating something, I, I I assume that like each time it repeats, it's a new text message. <laughs> 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 that would be awesome. But uh, anyways, we're here to talk about Selma ourselves. Uh, I I'm I'm not too afraid. I'm kind of I'm excited in a way because I'm interested to see where this goes. But uh, oh yeah, I, I'm not afraid because I think what I'm saying is wrong. I'm just afraid of the argument <laughs> that might ensue. Yeah, we'll see. Well, what, what do you say we get we get into this argument then? <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that excitement, we're gonna take a listen to uh, the trailer for Selma and then come back and give everybody our review. He's got supporters. Detroit, New York, Los Angeles, inciting large-scale arrests and sympathy marches. I'm very aware of that, Mr. Hoover. What I do know is nonviolent. What I need to know right now, what's Martin Luther King about to do next? Mr. President, Dr. King is here. Mr. President, in the South, there have been thousands of racially motivated murders. 
We need your help. Dr. King, this thing is just gonna have to wait. It cannot wait. You got one big issue, I got 101. Summer it is. Here is the next great battle. Summer's the place, and they ready. Dr. King! I tell you, that white boy can hit. We will not tolerate agitators' attempt to orchestrate a disturbance in this state. It is unacceptable that they use their power to keep us voiceless. Those that have gone before us say no more. People actually say they're going to kill our children. They're trying to get inside of your head. What happens when a man stands up, says enough is enough? We build the path as we can, rock by rock. This cell is probably bugged. <laughs> it probably is. We must march. We must stand up. You march those people into rural Alabama, it's got to be open season. May I have a word? There's no word to be had. The people! The people! The people! The people! There are 70 million people watching. These pictures are going around the world. We must make a massive demonstration. White, black, and otherwise. Come to some. I heard about the attack of innocent people. I couldn't just stand by. Looks like an army out there. This revolution goes on and on. This revolution goes on and on. My eyes have seen the glory. Glory, glory, hallelujah. What happens when a man stands up, says enough is enough? All right, so uh, that is the trailer for Selma. Uh, it's basically a biopic, sort of. It covers a small amount of time when uh, Martin Luther King is taking this, you know, big march to from Selma to uh, Montgomery, Alabama, to try to get the um, the Voting Rights Act passed. So, Carson, why don't you start us off with the possible controversy of this episode and let us know what you thought of the film. Well, I mean, there definitely is a controversy because it's like something uh, like when we reviewed Act of Valor where, you know, they're using real life military guys. And it's like, how do you politely separate the fact that there's real military dudes and there's this movie, you know, (laughs) Um, I'm going to do it in the next review. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, because, I mean, there's there's all kinds of, you know, like you know, there's really horrible current events happening and there's the politics of it. And, you know, there's the whole Oscar controversy over Selma. And, um, I think mainly, you know, I'm not looking at any of that. I'm looking at the fact that Selma is a movie and I think Selma is a poorly done movie. Uh, and I think that, I think that it belongs with theory of everything and wild in terms of these, like, um, very safe sort of middle of the road uh, awards bait type of movies, like very calculated. It almost feels like formulaic in order to to get um, awards bait. I mean, that's where I really feel like it stands. And I think that like the most comparable movie, at least that came to me when watching it, was Lincoln, which is another movie that I was very conflicted over. But uh, I feel like they're very similar in the sense that, uh, you know, they're both about important historical leaders and it only really focuses on a a segment of their lives uh one that was you know a pretty big deal uh or you know one of the big 
bigger deals in their lives. And uh, I think that both movies are really anchored by a very strong central performance. Like I think David Oyelowo as Martin Luther King, I think he, he perfectly captures like the essence of him. And uh, I, I really thought that he did a great job. I just wish that everyone else around him was up to par because I feel like he's so good, but then everyone else is sort of just like hamming it up or cartoonishly evil. Um, like, all of the quote-unquote villains, or I guess, you know, white people in the movie, um, <laughs> are very cartoonishly evil. Like, it's all just like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, southern dudes. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that really undermines the uh, the the sort of, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but the sort of, like, uh, realistic feeling of it. Because it all feels very still Hollywood, you know. Um, I think another another part of that is that Martin Luther King is made to look like the greatest person ever when in real life we know that he was a flawed guy just like everybody else is. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the estate of Dr. King doesn't give out the rights just willy-nilly for any movie because... I know that uh, Paul Greengrass wanted to make a an MLK biopic and really like kind of dive into the sort of flawed nature of his life, and they didn't want to sanction it. Um, and and I don't know if that's because they want to just protect you know his image, or they just don't want a not so great movie like Selma being made about him. Uh, I could see it both ways, but um, I think this movie, since it is an unsanctioned biopic, it tries to kind of go that route of. Maybe, you know, look, you know, this guy wasn't as, you know, he was flawed like everybody else. But I think it barely touches upon that. Um, and in the end, you're kind of left with uh, what they did in the movie Big Eyes, which they just made, you know, Margaret Keene look like this great person. And then Christoph Waltz was this really horrible monster. And that's here. It's like Dr. King is great. Everyone else sucks. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, trying to get in his way. Uh, and I think that just undermines the whole, uh, you know, the accuracy of it and just like the feeling that, you know, this is a like a hard hitting movie. I mean, because look, every historical movie takes liberties, but even when you're taking liberties, like as long as you're getting a tone that feels realistic, that feels like you're being genuine, I, you know, I'm fine with that. Like I can go along with that. Um, but I think that this movie never steps away from like that sense of removal that you have usually when watching a biopic or some sort of historical movie. Um, and I think that, you know, it, you know, and I'm going to do my usual thing where I don't think that it looks, I don't think it looks like the time period. Like, I think that it's shot in a weird way. It has this weird, like, hazy gloss to it that feels very movie-like. Um, and the, it's sat... the real question is, was everything blue? There was some blueness in it. It almost <laughs> felt like it was, like, yellow. Like, I, I don't know. But oh, it, oh, yellow-o? It, it was O-yellow-o. <laughs> they filmed it through his name, okay? Um, I'm so happy I got to make that joke because it's so hard for me to say his name. Um, and um, that was amazing. <laughs> yes, there we go. We got a two-point, uh, you know, two-point assist, whatever sports i don't know anything um but uh 
it's it's just sad though at the end of the movie when they show the real life footage of the Selma march and you're like why the hell didn't it look like that and also it makes me think I would just rather watch a documentary on the subject matter um so yeah the other thing is there's been a lot of praise given to the director Ava DuVernay um people saying she did a really good job I disagree with that because I think the movie is very there's a lot of scenes in the film now I could be this is where I could lose a lot of people but um there's a lot of scenes especially like in the dialogue where it's just two people talking I don't know what happened like everything is wrong in these scenes like the lines are crossed the the eye lines aren't right there's like every angle imaginable, like camera angle. Like there's literally a scene where uh, King is in a church and he's talking to like his, you know, uh, people in his in his group. And then like it'll cut to him and it cuts to someone else. And then it cuts like under his tie. Like why? Like why did he need that shot? Like it's just so weird. And there's a lot of scenes where like there's a scene where uh, Tom Wilkinson as LBJ is talking to uh Mr. Orange as the uh, the mayor or whatever. Um, oh man, that's just it's a horrible scene because it's just like all over the place. There's you know it'll be like on it'll be on the left side, then it'll cut to the right, and then it'll cut behind them, and you're just like what like what's going on? I don't understand the coverage. I don't understand why there was the sense to use every shot that they filmed. The scene where King's wife is like playing the tape. Uh, that, you know, he allegedly may have had an affair. Uh, that scene is so poorly shot. I thought they were in two different rooms, like the geography of scenes well, it, it, like it's that. It's a metaphor for the fact that him and his wife are literally in two different rooms. I, I guess. Because yeah, of, I, I think you didn't get it at all. <laughs> no, I guess I didn't get it. I'm too stupid because, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was joking too, by the way. No, just, I, just... I know. But I, I'm just saying that like the, usually when you break the rules, like the 180 rule like that, it's for an artistic or aesthetic reason, but there's no reason that I can find whatsoever as to why they chose to just like chop up scenes like that and make it uh, make it very distracting like that. It's weird because there's one scene where Dr. King goes to uh, a morgue and he's talking to that older gentleman and they're just kind of having a one-on-one and it's just a back and forth, very simple, and that's like the most effective scene because it's it's the scene that lets it it breathes, and it's just the two performers, and it's not going all over the place like it's a Michael Bay movie or something. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I, I just thought it was very strange how all of these decisions were made. Like I don't understand why there was all these line breakings and whatnot and have you and technical <laughs> all right well let's, up, let's so speaking of letting it breathe let's let's go on to steven because right. i have a feeling you'll just go shot by shot through the whole film I, if I, I don't if i don't step in here <laughs> yeah yeah where to begin I, I guess i'll begin by positing that maybe southern dudes in the sense that they were killing people for their skin color and just being there actually were cartoonishly evil <laughs> and that may be why that portrayal holds um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to disagree with here necessarily. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not watching these things with an eye for the camera rules and the angles that you need to use, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
I also thought Lincoln was a great example because I thought that was also a very effective movie uh, that did a lot for the biopic genre. Um, so I do think this was a traditional biopic in a sense. Uh, I, I think Wild is not the comparison I would use. I think the imitation game is one I would use where it has an important message to discuss and it's centered on a genuinely very good characterization. And in my mind, it's solidly made through and through, even if it isn't completely like innovating on how it makes a movie. Um, like you said, David Oyelowo, I, I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going I think with that, that. Yellow, that yellow pun is the only way I'm going to remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think he definitely deserves all the attention he's getting. Like t taking a character like King where the way he speaks is so fundamental to his character he managed to make it be like nuanced instead of just loud and hammy. Um, and, and yeah, really just like a very human performance. Um, I mean, they even made Oprah not be distracting. <laughs> like, like that's crazy that Oprah could open a movie. And I had to think like, is that Oprah? <laughs> no, that's the exact same thing I, I was thinking during. I was like, that's, that's Oprah, right? Like yeah, it looks Oprah. like Oprah, but she's not like glossy with a halo on her. Like this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... I thought the plotting was actually very well done. I didn't think it just went through the motions like like Sarah's kind of <laughs> ridiculous text that David Chen said. Of like, <laughs> you know, Martin Luther King talks to his wife. Martin Luther King talks to the president. Like, <clears throat> if she's oh, going to use that. pretty much did that. Okay, but so what did she think of Before Midnight? Like, <laughs> Ethan Hawke yeah, talks it, to Julie Delpy. Ethan Hawke talks to Julie Delpy. Ethan Hawke talks to Julie Delpy. apples and oranges here. I mean... <laughs> I feel like Before Midnight is a much better made film if you're going by filmmaking wise. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I just mean if you're if you're going to be like reductive about what happens in the movie, then you can make anything sound super repetitive. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, that's the least of the movie's problems. Yeah. I, I would say nothing about this movie felt repetitive or particularly phoned in, uh, at, at least in my mind. I mean, I think it did a lot that actually uplifted it above the biopic pack, like especially the bridge scene in particular that that first one in the march where like masters of war is playing in the background and it has this kind of extreme heightened directing style and martin luther king who supposedly they're polishing the halo of is not there for that scene like the biggest money shot of the movie he yeah. is sitting at home while other people are fighting his battles like that is not a traditional biopic thing to do that is something you show because the movement is what you care about yeah which i i don't know how the king estate would feel about that actually like that does not make him seem like the most brave person on the planet to be in the sidelines because of his own infidelity. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it did some things that were a little different. Like there was some kind of Spike Lee-ish like zoom-ins when people would fall down and kind of big, bold music cues that sometimes it worked for it and other times it worked against it. But either way, it definitely made it be very, very different from the Academy Award biopic that, that we've all kind of gotten tired of. I, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I don't think this is like a white guilt elevating a film. I, I think this really just is a powerful, powerful movie. Uh, I am going to drop down probably somewhere in the center of you two guys. Uh, I So I, I think that uh, <laughs> Oyelowo, I think he's great as King. And I think that um, his performance and even like, you know, there's the whole thing with the fact that they couldn't actually license the real speeches and stuff. So everybody had to, you know, the filmmakers had to create their own speeches for him to give. I thought the speeches were, you know, they were great. Like, I, I thought that uh, it, it was really easy for me to see why um, 
people would rally behind King and and see him as uh, as somebody to follow into these situations that were clearly not so great for everybody. Like the whole point is that, yeah, we're going to get attacked, but we're trying to be peaceful. So basically go somewhere and let ourselves be assaulted by these evil people. And hopefully the nation will see this and uh, it'll help get this like our, our sacrifice in our own well-being will hopefully get this this thing passed like that aspect of everything um i i really i really enjoyed that part of the film like i thought that was that was done well um as i said king's performance or character king was was great um what i don't really like is i i guess i i don't feel um the the real true politics of the situation and the the maneuvering of these different people with what they're trying to get done doesn't feel like that was communicated enough to me like we've we've all talked about Lincoln so far one of the things I really liked about Lincoln was all the like uh, behind closed doors bargaining that Lincoln's crew had to go through to get people over to their side to get this passed like it, it seeing them go through and like I'll give you this if you give me this and you know I'll, I'll promise you the seat if you vote this way and um, that sort of aspect was was really interesting because you know everybody uh, you know, talks about Lincoln for, you know, what he did. And like, if any president nowadays, like, <laughs> did the shady things that he did to get this thing passed, we wouldn't be celebrating them. We'd be like, impeach his ass, you know, like it's, um, there was, there was an interesting aspect to that story about Lincoln. Um, and, I, and I feel like in this, that sort of isn't really there. Um, one of the big, big themes is that like, everybody is scared of, of, uh, you know, everybody, I mean, all the, the white villains in the film are really scared about what King is going to do next. Like, that's a big line from the trailer. It's like, I know he's a peaceful man, but what I really want to know is what's he going to do next? And like, everybody talks about this big worry about like what's going to happen. But I, I feel like there there's, there's less of a struggle between like, hey, we are getting assaulted. We are being attacked brutally. This is scary for us. We need to attack back. There, there, that, that, there's no real conflict in the characters of should we go about this in a peaceful manner or should we go about this in a military, not military, but like a militant style um, aspect to everything. And I, and, I, and I don't know, there's some aspect to the story that wasn't super fulfilling to me um, because like obviously, you know, like Carson, you were saying that they, they're car they're they're what was the word you used they're they're basically cartoon villains and steven you were saying well technically kind of they were mm -hmm. and that that's the struggle i was going through in my head as i watched the film i was like these guys are just like villainous to a point that's almost ridiculous but then as soon as i had that thought i was like but, but yeah this stuff was actually happening and it's hard for me to like there's never the people who are being evil in the film I never see why they're scared. They're scared because the story calls for them to be scared and violent. There's no like, not that I want to like <laughs> have a reason to understand where they're coming from, but like at, at, there, there's some, I, I, I can't put my finger on exactly what I'm trying to say, but I feel like there's no, they're very one note. They're there to be the opposition of the story. They're not there to be like, man, if only we could have reached them in this way, we could have reached an understanding. Like there, there's no... It's missing some aspect of the story that makes, lets me do anything but be a passive observer of a story. Yeah, I, um, so I think yeah. I, I can see that in the case of the white villains, though. If for one, like I mentioned before, I'm not I'm not certain what kind of human element they could have to go inside them. And another is 
the central conflict, I think, is in King, who it's shown that he's very clearly choosing these, you know, brute force, like the worst people, and he's choosing his battleground to get a reaction out of them. Um, and in well, that, that sense, that... I feel like they they serve as a pawn in his political agenda, and that agenda is full of conflict, kind of like the Lincoln one, where every day he has to weigh the deaths and the harm that he's causing versus the benefit of the thing that he's trying to pass. Yeah, but like, so so there, there's there's three basically marches that happen. Um, and the first march, I think, is the best moment in the entire film. Uh, I really like when they go to that, that one area where inside is a voter registration. It's a place where you can register to vote, whatever. Um, and they all go up outside and King is like, hey, we're here. We're going to register to vote. And the guy's like, you can go do that in the back or whatever he says. And he's like, no, we're going to walk through the front like everybody else does. We're going to do this. And then like all of the people with him, like assume the I'm about to be arrested position on the ground. And he just sort of stands there and like he's he he's not like it's it's kind of a powerful moment because all he's doing is is explaining to them in very plain words like we're going to do the same thing that everybody else can do. And we're not here to like you have a choice now to make this uh to make this a good situation or a bad situation we have the right to go in there and register to vote we are here to do that we are not assuming a threatening um stance or anything we're all like we are all like the only people who don't like kneel down on the ground is king and his like little mini posse in the back and he is just explaining his rights and like there there is there is some sort there, there is an element of power there where like he has a small enough group of people where he's clearly underpowered in the situation but he's putting it all on those other people to to sort of be the people who decide how that situation goes and i love that scene i thought it was powerful the way everything sort of unhinges at, in that moment was great um and i really wanted the rest of the film to have the feeling of that scene but instead later on like the the scene where they come marching onto the bridge, like it looks like any other war movie when like a huge army comes to the top of a hill and gets ready to assault somebody. So it's like you go from being a small group of people who are trying to stand in their rights to being this mass of people who have like even though they're not they're not donning weapons or anything, there is a there is a threatening presence now. You know what I mean? Like not not that like I'm not trying to justify what the the bad guys did in that moment. All, all I'm saying is that like you go from being like, even if you're there to be peaceful, your sheer numbers now mean something. And, and like, those those following marches have less of, I don't know, there, there's something less in them to me than that original march did. Um, and at that point, it becomes mostly about, like, King, King and his crew are doing this now as opposed to the motives behind what they're actually trying to do. So it feels like in the beginning, this is what we want to do and this is why. And we're communicating that out loud instead of later on when the marches happen, when they're like, we're here, what are you going to do about it? And I, I don't I don't know if that's just because they need to move the plot around and they're like, we've already established what we're trying to do, so let's just do this now. Or, I don't know, it's the beginning of the film, I'm, I'm totally on board and I was, I, was, um, I was feeling it. And then as it progressed, I felt it less. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And, and I mean, going back to the whole idea that the villains in this film are cartoonish um i mean yes i think that they're going to be despicable people obviously in real life but i mean if you take a look at a movie like 12 years a slave which has a lot of quote-unquote cartoonishly evil white people um i think that movie you know i think that movie deals 
with that a lot better just because the movie overall i feel like has more weight to it which i think that this movie was missing that a lot of you think of like some of the better examples of historical movies like malcolm x or color purple or even something like jfk where there seems to be more to it than just like this just doesn't seem genuine it doesn't seem like it has enough stability to it to make it seem like a, a powerhouse movie um and and i would have much rather have seen uh steve mcqueen's version of of selma because i feel like even with 12 years a slave which was conventionally told like you know more so than his other movies like i mean the man has a great handle on drama and uh there were definitely some powerful moments in that movie and it didn't feel, you know, it felt genuine. It didn't feel like it was, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't exactly feel Hollywood. Um, at least, you know, that was a movie that I could buy into, uh, and not feel like that we're just seeing something reenacted. So uh, I, I agree and disagree with the comparison. Like what I would agree with is I think 12 years a slave, I would make it a slightly better film in my mind. And part of that is just the, it isn't even the making of it. It's just the, the thing that it chose to focus on is personal and less historically necessary to be accurate <laughs> with. I mean, I know there's some controversy yeah. about the accuracy here, but 12 years a slave is based on a book that like half the people believe wasn't even real. Um, yeah. And and so it got to go inside the mind of the slave holder and the, you know, the the evil people and show kind of both sides of them in a very fiction character study way that you just can't do when you're telling like a big political story. I mean, like, like Lincoln, from my recollection, didn't go into the South and explain exactly the mindset behind people fighting for the Confederacy, because when you're starting to deal with real people, it's harder to it's much harder to show the positive side of a villain when you don't have access to their internal mind and history has basically shown them to be a villain. Like the closest this movie had to that was LBJ, which they basically had to invent more controversy inside of him to create that kind of conflict of like, why, why would a moderate slash liberal white person not get on board with this, even though clearly it's an atrocity. Um, so I would agree that 12 Years a Slave dramatically tells a more heart-wrenching story, but I think they were they were going for different things and I'm not I'm not really sure what a Steve McQueen version of this would have done differently unless it were to take more artistic liberties than were already taken. So yeah, I I, I don't well, know how I feel about that comparison. I mean, I just think that, you know, I just think you know, he's a filmmaker that has a better handle on drama, which I think that that this is what this movie needed. Um, another person I thought of was uh, the woman who did Beyond the Lights last year, Gina Prince by the Wood, and also Love and Basketball, which are two really great movies. That woman has a very good handle on drama and it in not making it go into melodrama. Like it comes very close. And I feel like, uh, you know, her movies are exceptional and they don't get the recognition that they should deserve. Um, but you know, this movie can be filmed improperly and get all kinds of praise. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to like Steven mentioned the imitation game, which I think is 
an excellent film that's told very conventionally. Um, but I feel like that that movie, again, has a handle on drama and whatever liberties they took, it's, I think, masked in the sense that they accomplished a tone and feeling that was genuine to the movie. Um, whereas something like Theory of Everything did not do that whatsoever. And I feel like that Selma uh, did did what theory did it did the same thing where it just it it never once feels like it's genuine despite the fact that it has a strong lead performance i i mean if this is about what it feels like i i guess we'll have to agree to disagree one thing i could never have faulted the movie for when i walked away was that it felt genuine or that it provoked genuine drama um i mean what whatever issues of the camera work and the, you know, kind of these technical details that maybe elevate it for you or elevate something like the imitation game for you. In my mind, those didn't uh, distract at all. I, I definitely left feeling feeling that it was genuine. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just it's I, I feel like out of the out of those movies, out of like the three that I mentioned, Wild and Theory of Everything and, and this one, obviously, this is probably like the least offensive to sit through in the sense that you can, you know, it's just very basic. Um, uh, and, but that still doesn't make it good. Like, I, I just think that it's still baffling to me that, I don't know, that the, the decisions made on it were completely undermined everything that it was trying to go for and ended up being very distracting. So that's why that's why to me, like when this movie has like a ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it's you know, I mean, I know I go against the grain all the time, but to, it's just it to me, it's weird that it's that no one sat there and called out the you know the the basically the 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 improper technical aspects of it. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm sort of on the side of Steven from that aspect where like those technical things didn't bother me watching the film. For me, it was more the story is such a small subset of of a, a person's life. Like it's when, when we like this isn't about how King became a guy that people followed. Like he no, was, yeah. he was already sort of quote unquote in power. I, I mean, it begins that, with him getting a Nobel Prize, yeah, and yeah. having that be no yeah. big deal to his life. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's like we're, we're not we're not watching a story in which uh, a man is really determined to, to do something, becomes a man that people believe in, and then executes on a plan he has. It's we're watching a film about a guy who already has a following, doing a pretty small event. Um, in theory and like in the grand scheme of time spaces and uh as, as you pointed out Stephen, like there there's there's three marches in this and the middle march he's not even part of um so it's i don't know there's just something about the story that that left me kind of i mean it's a similar complaint i've had to films recently where i feel like the film doesn't tell me enough about the situation to make me uh excited about the fact that the film exists like i i i it, it, when a film ends and you need to like Wikipedia stuff or talk to people who know more about the events to yeah. to be filled in on on the event, then then I feel like the film is no matter what, no matter how good it is, is going to fail on some level. It's like I mean, even even Imitation Game, like I I really really like that movie, um, and 
I still like don't understand how his machine works. <laughs> so it, it, it's things like that where where uh, no matter how good it is or how well you execute on things, if you if you fail at a few small tasks, like your your film should have a a point, and if if the if the point of your film is to explain the the tragedy of event that I already agree is pretty tragic, um, then I don't know why I'm watching the film. Yeah, I mean, because everything in Selma you could read on Wikipedia. Like, I feel like there's nothing more than that. It all feels surface level. Um, which is why, like, when Paul Greenwise was trying to get his um, MLK movie made, like, I actually was very interested to see that because I feel like he could really dive into something deep and uh, interesting about, you know, who this guy was, uh, especially after making something like, you know, United 93, which is a very powerful uh, real-life movie, you know, based on real-life events. And uh, I don't know, like, I just think that, you know, he has a very, uh, like, his handle on on drama is, is really good. And there's an immediacy to it where it feels like you're there. Um, but 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 if you he know. did if he did make that film though we'd be sitting here complaining about like why he cast Matt Damon as Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Tom Hanks as Martin Luther King. Um, Crazy. But yeah, the the other the last thing I want to talk about just real fast is um, when you have all like the the when 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 King is meeting with the president, there's all the scenes where he's like, look, you know, Mr. President, you got to do this stuff, and he's like, ah, I can't because I got this other agenda that I'm working on. I never feel like that's true. Like, mm. I never feel like, oh, he's actually concentrating on this other thing that he just has to do first, and then he'll get to the voting acts right or voting rights act. Um, I, I, I don't like. It feels like he's just straight up lying, and he's not interested in even helping King. And I, I don't know if the film was trying to communicate that or what, but it, it felt like, I don't know. They, it, I, I wanted more. I wanted more from their conversations. Like, like a man is being invited to talk with the president about, like, accomplishing something. And if you don't actually have any substance in those conversations, then it's like, what? Like, that seems like significant to me. Like, if I want to get something passed, I'm not going to get to talk to the president, right? Yeah. So that yeah. part, I will, I will concede that I would like to have seen a little bit more about the struggle or the bind quote unquote that LBJ was in, especially considering that is the one part that pretty much everyone agrees. The movie, uh, kind of, uh, made up or if not made up, then at least punched up for dramatic effect, uh, the level to which LBJ was teetering. Um, yeah, it, it, it would have been nice to see more of that. I, th I think the movie presented it more as he is a, he is an obstacle or kind of a stand in for, for all of liberal white America. And yeah, I, I would say that does make the the backroom deal kind of scenes have a little bit more punch than they could have. Yeah. A little bit less punch. <laughs> Important I, distinction. I, I knew what words. you meant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, do you think we did this film enough justice for this episode? I I think so. I think so. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get on into our verdicts then. Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Uh, the uh, Oyelowo's performance aside, I think the movie is a must-avoid. 
I, I can't bring myself to bring to give it anything higher. I, I think that a movie like this demands to be something much more substantial, and this movie is not it. All right, Steven. Uh, for me, it's <laughs> and usually opposite. I think uh, for what it did, the relevance of its message for the performances, and I thought the technical skill of making this something impactful without ever, to me, feeling like hammy or... Uh, statue building or anything like that this is an easy must see in my mind i mean it's a biopic that does most everything right and in today's climate especially i think it's an important one to be seen and i don't think i don't think separating message from craft is meaningful really like i think you have to take a movie as a whole uh, in the times that it's in and the things that it's trying to do Uh, and this it it resonated very heavily with me yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna give it a wait for rental. Um I there are aspects to it that I agree with you, Steven. Um and during the watching of the film, I'm in the middle of a conflict between basically both of your two opinions, you and you and Carson. Like I'm Car- Carson's it, on the horse and I'm kneeling in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But uh I, I it's the Hopefully like, it's filmed properly. You like when you see a film of this uh, this type, especially in circumstances in which we are in our current society. Like there's there is a level of um, I don't know that I I want to I want to not be distracted by the conflict of of basically what this whole episode has been talking about. Like there's there's so much like a mix of like yes this theme I'm I'm jumping on board with. But there's still this this aspect of it's not presenting the information to me in a way that that feels all that meaningful. Like I, it's it's in a in a way it's sort of like preaching to the choir. But at the at that same time, I recognize that that is faulty thinking. In that by thinking it's preaching to the choir, I'm like discounting the the weight and the magnitude of what the film is talking about. Um, so it's like I spent more of this feeling or more of this film like struggling internally trying to watch the film than I did like appreciating it or understanding the message it was trying to send me. Um, so I think there's, there's a level to which it's a failure and there's a level to which it's a success. Um, King's performance is amazing, but in the end, uh, the, where the film finishes up, I, it, it just starts to lose me over time as certain events proceed forward. So hmm. wait for rental for me. I hope no matter what, we can all agree that even if they manage to make Oprah be not a shocking person, you are never prepared to see Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> oh, that's that's the other thing about this movie is that it was weird how they put like just random names like Cuba Gooding and Martin Sheen would just show up and you're like, whoa, like I felt like that was distracting too. Because I mean, the the bulk of the cast is unknown faces, you know, pretty much. They're not stars. Members of the wire and stuff like right. that. Right. I mean, they're not stars. I mean, they're they're character actors that you recognize, but it's not like, oh shit, like, you know, show me the money. It's you know, it, it, that I I felt like that was kind of weird. I don't know. Let's be honest, Cuba Gooding Jr. is sort of distracting in any role he's in. <laughs> I mean, I think Cuba Gooding is a great actor and he kinda got the shaft after doing so many terrible movies, but uh <laughs> He did that dog sledding movie, right? Snow dogs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really lost his way, but uh, I don't know. It's just like, why would you cast him in like that little bit part? I don't know. And, and Common also, I'll give 
I'll give David Chen that. He does not look like a person in the civil rights movement. <laughs> no. <laughs> With his all denim outfit and his uh, way too no. cool persona. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we should wrap this episode up. So, uh, Carson, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? You can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music, uh, music for this episode will come from that Oscar-nominated song that uh, <laughs> is nominated for an Oscar for best song. So anyways, that's playing. We are about to take off and uh, go get into what is probably going to be another lively discussion about another <laughs> film that came out this weekend, American another Sniper. Another hot-button film. It's <laughs> all we do on the spoiler warning. Push Bring buttons. on the biopics. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having me. You're us. welcome. And uh, we will see the rest of you guys later. Bye. And we ran up one day when the glory comes. It will be out.